So trust is one of those things that I think a lot of people talk a lot about, but they don't necessarily say a whole lot, which I know is a prick thing to say, but I think it also happens to be true because you hear all these kind of vague platitudes about trust is the currency of this and that and the other, and it's all true. Trust trust is very, very important, but a lot of times they don't really give you a ton of specifics in terms of how to actually do it and do it on a consistent conscious basis. So what I want to do in this episode is go through the specifics of creating trust from the very first moment that you meet somebody. And there's eight elements to doing this. And you can use that in all sorts of ways, getting clients, getting hired at a job, getting people to buy or download your app, hell, even romantic relationships if you want. So that's what we're going to get into in this episode. So be sure to stay tuned. There's a lot of developers who have a lot of opinions about what you need to do this coding thing for a living and be good at it. But I often find that their opinions tend to be better for them than they are for you. And that's part of the reason why I created this podcast. To cut through the crap and give it to you straight. And you won't always like me. You won't always agree with me, but I will tell you the truth. I'm John Morris, and welcome to The John Morris Show. Now let's quit the yakking and get to it. Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. As I mentioned, we're going to get into the eight elements of trust and really give you some specific tips for how to do this consciously and on a consistent basis from the very first moment that you meet someone and know exactly what to do, what to say in order to move someone from not knowing you, not trusting you, to actually relying on you and depending on you uh, to, to deliver for them. Now, before I, we've got a lot to get into, but before I do that, I do want to encourage you to head on over to store.johnmorrisonline.com. That is my new online shop. That's where you can get all my courses, all my source code. I even got t-shirts over there. Uh, that's where you can get pretty much everything, and you know that'll help you along your coding path and your coding career. You'll also be helping to support the show so I can continue to do this kind of thing for you. So I'd uh, really appreciate that if you'd head on over there. Again, it's store.johnmorrisonline.com. All right, that said, let's get into these eight elements of trust. I want to start out talking a little bit about how I've related to this a little bit. So I was always someone who... And this might seem like a good thing at first, but and like maybe I'm bragging, but this actually turned out to be a bad thing for me. So I was always someone where I felt like I was naturally trustworthy to people. Like people would tell me things and secrets and trust me with stuff that they wouldn't necessarily tell other people. I I remember my first girlfriend in college. This was one of the exact things that she said. So it was like a month I'd been there uh, at college and we'd met at some event. And it was kind of that classic story, you know, we stayed up till three in the morning just talking and got to know each other. And she's, that was one of the things she said. She just felt like she instantly trusted me, felt safe around me, that sort of thing. 
Um, I had a manager when I wore, uh, sold cars. He said the same thing. He was actually yelling at me. <laughs> um, but he said, you know, he was kind of like prefacing, prefacing that with the ass chewing by saying, you know, hey, look, you have the potential to be good at this. You're someone that people just for some reason seem to naturally like and trust. Right. So it's always been something that just was kind of natural for me. And like I said, that might seem like a good thing, but it actually was a bad thing because when I transitioned to this more online world and had to start thinking consciously about how to do that in, say, a, a profile overview or in a bio or in an email or a website and do it through text, it I really had no clue what to do. It wasn't something that I'd ever consciously learned. And so if I wasn't face-to-face with somebody, it was really difficult uh, for me to figure out what to say, what to do. And something that really uh, was one of the things that initially held me back from being able to get work and that sort of thing when I first started. And my first cracks at it were were pretty bad. Uh, and so it, it was, again, one of those things that I had to sit down and kind of try to f- specifically figure out. And in doing that research, what I came across is a framework for trust that has been, you know, this is something that's a psychologist that we'll talk about here in a minute that has actually specifically studied this and and looked into all of these different elements. And there's three things about it that I think are important. First off, it it def- helps you define what trust actually is, right? Because that's not something that's necessarily obvious. A lot of us have this vague idea uh, of what trust is. But what he actually helps you to understand is specifically the elements when you look at somebody and and in your mind you're like, that person is trustworthy. What are the elements that go into that? What are the criteria that they have checked off that that uh, push you over the hump to say this is a, a trustworthy person? There's some very specific things there uh, that define that. The second thing is the different stages of trust. So when you meet somebody, you don't instantly make that assessment, right? You don't instantly move from not knowing them at all to like giving them the keys to your house and <laughs> letting, letting them move in, right? So there's some stages to it and there's different things that matter at different stages and different ways for move, to move from one stage to the next. So when you know that, then you, you know exactly what you need to do kind of at each step or each stage to to move things along and get where you need to be in order to get someone to hire you or to, uh, you know, in a romantic relationship to go out on a date with you or whatever it is. And then the third thing is what are called the targets or sometimes the dimensions of trust. And really there's two factors that determine how quickly someone uh, might trust you. And so it gives you a sense of kind of where you're at to start off with. And so you know how big of a mountain you have to climb in order to get someone to to rely on you to to hire you. So when you put those three things together, you know what it for me it it really gave me a a specific strategic conscious understanding of what I needed to do in order to garner trust from other people when I when I came across this and this is what led to you know me being the one trusted to build Platform University for Michael Hyatt, or when Tim Ferriss needed a site, I was the one that was trusted to build that site, or the project with Inc. Magazine even, not only uh, getting and being the one trusted to do that project, but also 
the the actual relationship that was developed and the trust that was developed there that led to a mastermind event that ultimately led to the jump starting of a charity. So it had a really huge impact on my life and my career. And so that's why I want to to share this with you. Now, I think when you learn this stuff, there are some ob- obvious and not so obvious benefits. So the obvious benefits it's going to help you land more clients. I mean, that's, I think that's one probably the most obvious and you're going to know exactly what to say and not feel lost. You're going to know that was probably one of the biggest things for me is just knowing what to say. What do I need to do? What do I need to accomplish in order to get this person to trust me enough to hire me? Right. When you don't know the specifics, it's kind of vague. And and so you don't know what to do. So you're not going to feel that anymore. And you don't really have to worry about selling because selling kind of goes by the wayside. Trust is all you really kind of need in, in this particular industry and a lot of service industries, that's the case. But you don't have to be some big marketing guru and get all this all that sort of thing. And if that's something that is not doesn't sound wonderful to you, you don't have to worry about that. All you need to worry about is getting someone to trust you. And when they do, then you're most likely the one that they're going to hire. But some not so obvious benefits of this are that clients will be a lot more likely to listen to your ideas and to your advice because they trust your expertise, they trust your knowledge. They'll also be more willing to work through challenges with you because they trust your intentions and they trust that you're going to to figure things out. They'll also give you the benefit of the doubt in maybe some you know, maybe there's some trouble situation, they'll be more likely to give you the benefit of the doubt because they trust your intentions. They they know that you're not trying to be uh, malicious. They'll often be willing to pay you more because trust is such a rare thing. And they don't want to have to go through that whole process with someone else. Probably be more expensive for them to do that anyway. So they'd rather just pay you more because they like you. They like working with you. They trust you. Uh they also won't have a problem telling other people about you because they'll trust that when they do, you're going to treat those other people good as well. And they won't have to deal with some sort of backlash from them recommending somebody that it ended up not working out. So easier to get hired, easier to work on projects, easier to get repeat clients, easier to get referrals. Once you learn how to consistently cultivate trust, all of the things that you need to do to be a successful developer, freelancer, etc., all those things get a whole lot easier. So it's that's why it's important. Uh, I recommend investing in this because when you can get this down, then you can make everything else that you got to do a whole heck of a lot easier. So diving into some of the base concepts to start off with and getting into the the, the science and details of this. This what what this is based off is what uh, psychologists call the BDT framework, uh, and so BDT this is this was a book that was written by Ken uh, Rottenberg. Uh, he is a psychologist, or now he's at Keele University, which is in uh, the UK. He's a very very prolific writer in the areas of psychology and uh, I think social psychology and a number of different related areas. And he wrote a book called The Interpersonal. Uh, interpersonal trust during childhood and adolescence. And in chapter two, the title of that is the conceptualization of interpersonal trust, a basis, domain, and target framework. So BDT stands for basic basis, domain, and target. And sometimes that last one is, is uh, domain. And we'll talk about why that is in a second. But 
these three main concepts uh, are, are what we're going to talk about here. So when we talk about, about basis, what that really is means, I mean, there's a lot of this kind of psychobabble stuff that can get really confusing, but what what it means when I look at it is how do we define trust? What are the elements that make up trust? Those specific things that when we look at somebody, we say that person is trustworthy, those criteria, as I mentioned. Domain is kind of how it actually operates in our day-to-day life, in in the different domains and the ways that we kind of look at it and analyze it. And then the targets or the dimensions are really when the, the people that we're looking at and how we're looking at them in terms of trust. Uh, that those are the different dimensions. So to get specific of the, uh, with this, when we talk about basis and what is trust, uh, uh, he identifies, uh, Ken Rottenberg identifies three elements. So the first one is reliability or promise fulfillment. So you're reliable. You do what you're, you know, uh, rationally expected to do. You do what you say you're going to do. Um, that's the first element. The next is emotional trust in particularly that you'll you'll refrain from causing emotional harm so this has kind of to do with intentions a little bit but it's really an emotional thing you're not going to do something malicious towards me you're not going to harm me in some way emotionally you're not going to talk bad about me behind my back if i tell you a secret you're not going to go around telling everybody uh, that secret so that's emotional trust and then the last one is honesty which is truth telling and also has to do with intentions. So those are the elements of trustworthiness. When we look at someone and say they're trustworthy, those are the criteria we've kind of mentally checked off. The next is domain. So again, how it kind of functions in our day-to-day life. So we have what's called the cognitive and affective, and these are thinking and feeling that someone is trustworthy. And then you have behavior dependent, which is you actually relying on them and trusting them. And then you have behavior enactment, which is you yourself being trustworthy. So these are kind of the different ways that we we interact uh, with trust in our day-to-day lives. And then the last one, target slash dimension. So there's two dimensions here that, that we talk about. We talk about specificity and familiarity. So how specific are the targets of our trust? Is it a specific individual or is it a group of people? And then we have familiarity. Are we very familiar with the target of our trust or are we not very familiar with them at all? Okay, so those are the eight elements of trust. And I know that's a lot of like, I just dumped a ton of psychobabble on you. But what I want to do is go through and, and kind of synthesize this and give you some real practical tips for how to kind of put all of this together and what I think matters most for freelancers, developers, etc. So the first one is specificity and familiarity. So a new client will not be very familiar with you. Familiarity will be low. And in that, in that sort of situation, they're their sense of or their feelings of trust towards you aren't going to be based off you as an individual because they don't know you. There's no way for them to know that. And so they're going to make quick judgments about you. They're going to make judgments based off of your profile picture, your title, your what your description says. All that stuff is going to be very, very quick, not very thorough because they don't really know you that well and they can't really do any sort of in-depth analysis. 
It's also going to, there's going to be an element where they are going to analyze how much they trust you based off of the groups that you belong to. So a big one is the fact that you're a developer. That's a group uh, that you belong to. And just to put it out there and kind of be frank about it, developers don't have necessarily a good reputation. Right? I would say the most the way most uh, clients relate to it is if you find a good developer, they're usually really good, but you got to find a good one. And if you don't, then it's kind of a crapshoot. So the general reputation of developers is not necessarily great, flaky, you know, that all that sort of thing. So that's something that you have to deal with uh, a little bit. But that's only one element. It, there's other things like your gender or your ethnicity, where you happen to to come from. All of those things could, in in working with individual clients in individual scenarios, could have benefits. They could have disadvantages. And so you have to be aware that those things are there. And that gives you kind of a sense of where you're at, right? Where your starting point is and, and how much you're going to have to do in order to get uh, someone to trust you. Now, this is one of the reasons why I kind of harp on content creation and why content creation is so powerful, because it gives people a way to get to know you before they ever hire you, right? Like all the YouTube videos I do, I have a couple, like three, over 300 videos someone could go through. And if they wanted to get to know me, they could go through those videos and get a sense of who I am before they ever hired me. So, YouTube videos, podcasts, tutorials, source code, uh, all those sorts of things uh, are a way that you can create familiarity and specificity, right? Because they're getting to know you as an individual, not this, you, you come out of that kind of gray blob of developer into you as a specific individual. Now they're analyzing you and they're getting more familiar with you. And all of those things work in your uh, favor. So, Again, that's one way, reason why content creation is is a good way to do that. But there's also others. For example, how you respond to your bids. Right? Instead of copying and pasting and just going sales pitch mode, actually it, trying to engage in a conversation, trying to get a response from them. And the more you go back and forth, the more you move towards the, the good end of f- familiarity and specificity. doesn't necessarily matter what the content of those messages are. I mean, as long as you're not just like cussing each other out, but the more you move the needle towards them being familiar with you, them uh, analyzing you specifically as an individual, the better it is for you. So in how you, again, how you write your bids and how you write your profile over you, your profile picture, all of these things are ways that you can move that needle towards familiarity, more specificity and move things in your favor. The next is what I would say, cognitive versus behavior dependent. So every client, potential client, if they don't know anything about you, every every one of them is going to start off in the cognitive, I would say, non-trust zone. So they're not going to, they're going to think and feel that they don't trust you. Okay. So you have to move them from that to them thinking and feeling that they do trust you, but you have to take that next step into them actually engaging in behavior where they rely on you to be trustworthy because that's what they're going to be doing when they hire you. And so you have to get them into that domain before they'll ever get to the point uh, of them hiring you. So that's why it's important that you 
demonstrate your trustworthiness, but also try to do things that uh, get them to engage in trusting you before they actually hire you. So that's one of the reasons why I often recommend giving a piece of vi- a piece of advice when you respond to, initially respond to uh, a project on, say, a freelance site or whatever. When you give them a piece of advice, what you're doing is you are forcing them to make a decision whether or not they're going to trust you. If they accept your advice mentally, they're actually now relying on you in a way. And so it moves them from that domain of not trusting you to trusting you. It kind of forces the issue in their mind a little bit. Uh, And so that's a way you can move them into that domain and it makes it easier for them to now take that next step of actually hiring you. Another thing that's really important here is social proof. So them seeing other people trusting you and engaging in behavior where those people rely on you makes them, it it gives them a compelling reason for them to move into that domain uh, as well. So again, understanding that they're going to start off in the cognitive zone of not trusting you. Yes, you got to move them into the cognitive zone of trusting you, but also you have to move them into the behavior zone and actually get them to engage in behavior where they're relying on you. All right, the third one then is what I call demonstrative truth-telling. And this is a, a little trick that you can use that, uh, that works really, really well. So one way to establish your, you know, yourself, your credibility as a truth-teller, right? Because remember, that's one of the elements of trust is honesty, that you're someone that'll tell the truth. One of the ways that you can do that is to actually demonstrate it and then kind of make a big deal about it. And you do that by telling them a hard truth about their project. So it might be some, you might say something like, look, I know this might seem a little bit harsh, but I feel like my job is to tell you the truth. And I trust you to understand where I'm coming from in terms of giving you my professional uh, advice. But your idea about building the, the entire site in PHP 4 for nostalgia's sake is not a good idea, right? So that there, there's a couple elements to that. First off, what you're doing is you're saying, you know, I know this is difficult, but I'm a truth teller. So I'm going to tell you the truth anyway. This is you demonstrating, this is you saying that you are a, a, a truth teller. Then you actually go into the, the next line, which is, but I trust you Right, so now you're you're engaging in behavior behavior enactment. You, you're you're actually trusting them, but I trust you to understand where I'm coming from. And then you go in and you tell them the hard truth. You actually tell the truth and demonstrate it. And so, what you're doing here is hitting all three domains: the cognitive, which is you saying, "Hey, I feel like my job is to tell the truth." Uh, then you're hitting uh, behavior dependence, which is I trust you. And then you're hitting behavior enactment, which is you actually telling them the hard truth. You put all those three things together, it's really hard to resist. It's really not hard not to see that as someone who's a trustworthy person. It just it kind of gets you in that mode because it takes you through all three uh, of those domains. And so that's a little trick that you can use in writing your proposals, even your profiles, and try and work in there that can instantly create credibility where there really was none before. All right, so those are kind of the three big things. I know, again, I've thrown a lot at you in terms of trust. 
I recommend if you kind of this is your first watch through and you don't necessarily do the this sort of thing, go back through it and, and you know write down some notes and take notes and and start to develop kind of a, a way that you can go about doing this and and some ideas for how you could start to to implement this into your profiles, your websites, all that sort of thing. Because trust isn't something that just happens, right? It's not something that just kind of happens out of thin air. It's a very deliberate, conscious process. Uh, and when you understand the steps that go into it and what your goal is, where you're trying to get and how to move from from one step to another, helps you to a lot, uh, a lot easy, more easily create trust from the very, very beginning. And it makes everything else go a hell of a lot easier. All right, so that'll do it for this episode. Hopefully you got something out of that. Uh, again, as always, thanks for watching. If you liked the episode, be sure to like it. Uh, also, all past episodes, uh, also uh, links to all the subscribe links and all that stuff. You can find all of that at johnmorrisshow.com. And I would also appreciate it if you'd leave me a an honest review of the show on iTunes. I'll even give you module one of my PHP 101 course, if you'll do that. Again, just an honest review. I'm not even asking for any particular type of, of review. I just want an honest review. So if you do uh, interested in that, you can go to johnmorrisshow.com and then click on the start here link, and that'll kind of walk you through all the instructions for that. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time.